Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I've got a question for you. Can Jesus return any day now? Or is the day that he is going to return, is that going to be a total surprise? In other words, no one can know when he's actually going to return. I mean, the Bible does say, In such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And, boy, we're going to really tackle this one. Better that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. <laughs> Can't tell you how many times playing racquetball, that's kind of when I get out to meet people that are many of them outside the church. Sometimes I'll get in conversations with them about Bible prophecy and Christianity and things like that. I'm always looking for a way to win them to the Lord, of course. And the probably the biggest thing, the biggest reply that I get that they use to try to get them out of the discussion is, well, no one knows the day or the hour. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. No one knows the day or the hour. Is that right? No one knows the day or the hour. We're going to talk about that. Also, the Bible says, watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Then in another place, it says, in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. So is Jesus' return going to be a total surprise? Could he split the skies this very moment and return? Or are there some things that we can watch for? Okay, so let's jump to Revelation 3.3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Now, this is talking to one of the churches. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So here he's saying, if you don't watch, yeah, uh, I'll come on you as a thief. You won't see me coming. Is that also inferring that if we do watch, we can know when he's coming? I'm about to show you some very interesting things. Okay, so here, let's jump into the word. Let's go to Matthew 24, 32. Jesus is speaking. Now he says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. Who's the fig tree? Well, that would be Israel. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. And I'm not going into all these things so that get us off the track here. Even at the doors, verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The generation that sees Israel become a nation. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, listen to this next part, because if you don't hear this one, then you get all tangled up with the things that follow. Matter of fact, let me read that last sentence again. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So what's he talking about? At this point, he switched what he's talking about from when he's returning, talking about the fig tree, and all of a sudden he talks about the heaven and earth passing away. Well, again, if you don't understand Bible prophecy, you don't understand what heaven and earth passing away is. Well, here it is. It's Revelation 20, 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, when you've got my book, and you see how this is all laid out and how it all fits with the feasts, probably for the first time in your life, you'll understand that the great white throne does not take place. Matter of fact, I devoted a whole chapter in my book on the greatest misunderstanding in Revelation. This is it. Most people, and I have to say, if you just read through Revelation, if you don't have my book, if you don't understand the things that God showed me, then you will put the great white throne at the end of the 1,000-year millennium. 
And if you do that, then it tangles up everything. And that's the reason I believe God gave this generation my book. It's not because I'm special. It's because you are special. You are the last generation, and he is giving you more information. He just happened to choose me to bring this through. You more information so that you can understand the last days, meaning the great white throne does not take place after the millennium. I know. <laughs> probably probably everybody listening saying, what? I thought it was after the millennium. No, it no, it doesn't. <laughs> Get the book, and it explains it. The great white throne takes place on the Day of Atonement, which is the 10th day of the seventh month, which is exactly 10 days after Jesus returns on trumpets to burn the tares and to gather the wheat into the barn. The earth is destroyed. This is when he rises to shake the earth terribly. As lightning shines out of the east, even out of the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That's him using the laser, the morning star, the breath of his nostrils. He brandishes his sword. And that's when he burns up the tares. And as that morning star hits them, they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. That happens on trumpets. Ten days later is atonement. That's the great white throne. That's what he's talking about. Now, let's go back to what he said. This generation, what generation? The generation that saw Israel become a nation. This generation will not pass till all these things, meaning all these prophecies, are fulfilled. Okay, now hang on. We're, we're not trying to figure this out with Israel right now. We'll talk about that another day. But he changes, and he says, heaven and earth shall pass away. So that's the point that he's really talking about here. I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to say something really important here for you. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So he changed topics. Okay, so when does heaven and earth pass away? It passes away 10 days after he returns on the day of judgment. And then five days later, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride. That's when he makes a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. So his topic at this point has changed. He's talking about a new heaven and a new earth. Then he goes to the next scripture that says, but of that day, what day? It's not talking about the day of his return because the day of his return was 10 days before this. He is now talking about the great white throne. He's talking about the day that the heaven and earth pass away. But of that day, the day that the heaven and earth pass away, knoweth no man. It does not say we can't know the day and well, we, we can't know the hour, I will say that. But I'm going to show you today, we can know the day he will return. And he's returning two more times, if that doesn't blow your mind. Again, get the book. I'll show you the scriptures. I'll, in, in the Texas vernacular, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> okay, so wait, verse 36. Okay, but of that day, and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So what day? In other words, the day of atonement. The day that the heaven and earth passes away, that day, heaven and earth passes away, it actually begins passing away when Jesus returns to, to shake the earth terribly. And it takes probably, is what he's basically saying, is 10 days for every valley to rise, every mountain and hill to fall, and the crooked places are made straight, and the rough places are made smooth. Meaning, every valley fills in, every mountain falls down, there's no more sea. He shakes the earth so much that the whole earth is a nice, round, smooth ball. That's what he's saying. But of that day, the day that heaven and earth passes away, no one knows but my Father only. 
Then he goes into saying, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until they wintered into the ark. And knew not till the flood came and took them away, and so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Wait a minute, Stan. You just said that it's saying that we can't know the day that the heaven and earth pass away. But now you're kind of saying that this is actually talking about the Son of Man. We can't know when the Son of Man is coming, uh, according to the example of Noah. Well, but see, the people of Noah's day weren't watching. They hadn't listened to Noah. Noah, I think it was 109 years in the building of the of the Noah's Ark. And you can rest assured he was trying to warn the people to repent, but they didn't want to listen. Kind of like today. Hmm. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Now, the pre-tribbers want to believe that the one is taken is the raptured out person. Uh, that's not the correct understanding. Actually, when it says two are in the field, one is taken, the one is taken is the tear. Because Matthew thirteen thirty says, gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire. The fire is the morning star, the light laser that comes out of his mouth. And the other left. Two women should be grinding at the mill. One should be taken. In other words, one shall drop to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. The other will be left. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now here he jumps back, and he is specifically telling us, watch for these signs for my return. Now, since he's really coming, if you want to say it this way, he's really coming two more times. <laughs> I'm not have time to get into the next time, but, but I will tell you, the next time is on First Fruits. Again, get my book. I've got this full-color chart. The front and back flap of the whole book are two big full-color prophecy charts. Again, I memorized the book of Revelation, and when I memorized it, I began getting revelations. I got 30 revelations, an audible voice, and two visions that gave me information. Well, the prophecy said that I put a lock over a word in Revelation, which I'm going to open to you. And it will make many books on the end times obsolete. That's this book. This is new information. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying you're special because you are the last generation. And Jesus knows he is returning. And he is trying his best to get his bride prepared so that they can go with him. Okay, so anyway, the next time he comes is on First Fruits. And then he walks around on Mount Zion for 50 days, and then he goes up on Pentecost with the wheat, so the barley and the wheat, or the Jews and those washed in the blood of Jesus, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb on Pentecost. About four months later, on trumpets is when he returns for the grape harvest or Armageddon. He, he returns the next time on first fruits as a lamb, but then when he returns on trumpets, he returns as a lion. How did, and when did he change from being a lamb to a lion? That happens at the marriage supper of the lamb. That's when Jesus is crowned king of kings, lord of lords, and he receives many crowns and a vesture dipped in blood and a white horse. We, those who are ready, that's not everyone, but... Those that are ready went into the marriage supper and the door was closed. And at the wedding supper, we only get a wedding garment. And at the end of it, we get a white horse to return with him. And we would be the armies in heaven that return with him. Now watch you therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. So he's saying watch, but I'm going to show you some things to watch for. I believe that we can know, all right, here I'm going to startle you. I believe we can know 2,520 days before Jesus returns. If we hear one thing. We'll get to that. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, 
he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. In such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So he's saying, if you don't watch, he will come as a thief. He will be a surprise to you. But I'm going to show you some other verses here in just a second. It says, if we do watch, and I can tell you some things to watch for here in just a second, we can know. We can know maybe not exactly the hour, but I will guarantee you we can know the day. I'll, in, in Texas vernacular again, I'll garn told you. <laughs> I'll garn told you. I'll tell you two things to watch for. Let me move on here. I'll run out of time before I can tell you these, and you probably won't know them. So anyway, verse 45, who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, meaning that if the Christians begin to start acting like the world, yeah, they don't get to go in. Their names are moved out of the book of life. I know there's a lot of people teach that doesn't happen. Uh, including the church I grew up in, but I can take you to, I believe it's like Ezekiel 8 or 9 or something like that. It clearly says that if the righteous man turns from his righteousness, then all this righteousness will be forgotten. Anyway, let's go on. So the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when you look and not for him, in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There you go. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let's go to the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Now, what's a virgin? That means that they have not worshipped any other god. That means that these are people that it is the plan that they would be going to the marriage. Hence, a virgin, which took their lamps. That's a sign that they have the light of life in them, meaning that they are not only virgins supposed to be going to the marriage supper, but they also have the light of life, meaning they have Jesus in their heart. That's the virgins. And went forth to meet the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? Well, that would be Jesus. So this is specifically referring to Christians that do and do not get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, let me make this clear. Just because you don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb does not necessarily mean your name is not in the book of life. It does not necessarily mean that you don't get eternal life. It just means that you weren't ready or those. I, I want to believe everybody that listens to this broadcast will be ready. But those people that weren't watching and they weren't ready, they didn't have their lamps. In other words, they weren't on fire for Jesus. So for whatever discounts or advantages a person might have, Jesus chooses who is ready to get to go to the wedding supper. Now, let's go on. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took new oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Well, is that where the American church is right now? Probably. So many times we, you know, most of us are doing our best to try to wake people up around us. So, yes, we understand the church is asleep. And here it is. This is really, really important. And at midnight, there was a cry made. At midnight, there was a cry made. What does that mean? That means that this is very, very close to his final coming. And the cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. That does not mean that at this point we go up into the air. This is when Jesus returns on the first fruits. Revelation fourteen one. I looked and lo, 
a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in the forehead. Who are they? And it goes on down to say, these are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. So they walk around on Mount Zion and probably off of Mount Zion too. It's a, actually a pretty small mountain, probably all over Jerusalem. And this happens about four months before Jesus returns. So in my opinion, this is the cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Meaning, if you're living in Israel, and if you are still alive at the time when you see Jesus return, and he is still going to be in a lamb body, why? Because the angel that stood beside the disciples when Jesus was resurrected up into heaven, he says, why, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. Meaning, he left in a lamb body that just had Thomas touch him, the nail scars. He just ate uh, fish with his disciples, and then he went up into the heavens. He went up in a cloud, and he'll probably come back down in a cloud wearing the same garments even. Why? Because he is still prince of the kings of the earth. He has not been crowned king of kings yet. Why? Because he is still the Lamb of God. When does he change from being the Lamb of God to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the line of the tribe of Judah? That happens at the marriage supper. And that has not happened for another 50 days yet at this point. So they walk around with Jesus, these one-year-old Jewish boys. Again, get the book. I explain all this. There's no way I can explain all this on the radio. No way. Too complicated, too deep. So they walk around 50 days. And then on Pentecost, this is the first fulfillment of the dead and Christ shall rise first. And then all of the wheat, that's us. Then we go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the Jews with the barley and the wheat meaning the Christians, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's when Jesus changed it from being the Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, from the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the thing that I, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to be the first one to fall at his feet, cast my crowns at his feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Verse 8, The foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The wise answered, saying, No, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that are sell, and buy for yourselves. Meaning, at this point, you didn't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb because you weren't ready. You were asleep. Actually, it's not you. I know if you're listening, you'll be ready. But those people that (laughs) they're playing off in the world and they're having a good time, and they don't care about the Bible, don't care to go to church. They certainly don't care about understanding Bible prophecy or watching for Jesus. So, so consequently, they don't see him come. So Jesus returns. They aren't ready. He leaves them. But four months later, they still, if their name's in the book of life, they will still be saved. Just means that they didn't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. Blessed are them which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So not everyone gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now let's jump to 1 Thessalonians 5.1. But at the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that arrive unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that is the day of trumpets, that is one evening and a morning, not even 24 hours. But the day of the Lord so cometh at the thief in the night. This is the time they returns to the Mount of Olives. Okay. For when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, here's my point. 
But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Meaning, if we understand our Bible prophecy, if we understand the signs that I'm about to give you to watch for, then we can know pretty much when he's coming. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me get right to the signs to watch for. The lesser sign to watch for is Daniel 9, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with me for one week. Can't tell you how many people have said, oh, well, you've got to watch for a peace treaty. Did it say a peace treaty? No, it didn't say a peace treaty. It said, and he shall confirm the covenant with me for one week. Now, for a long time, I've thought that the highest probability is the peace treaty that is signed that concludes World War III would be a very good time for that to be the covenant. However, don't necessarily think that's it. So that's only a hint. Okay, okay. So then what's the big thing? Here's the big thing. My opinion, Revelation 6, 1 is, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. That means the very first seal. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the fourth beasts say, come and see. At that point, if we hear that thunder, and I want to believe that we will, I want to believe that every ear on earth hears that, and uh, Ken Peters, in his DVD, I saw the tribulation, he said that he heard it, and he said it was long, it was loud, and every ear on earth heard it, and he said it sounded like like a 1957 Chevrolet horn, but we don't know what it sounds like, but it's, uh, hopefully every person on the globe will hear that. Now, those people that aren't watching, they'll probably say, what was that? Man, did you hear some kind of noise last night? They won't understand what it is. But for us prophecy students, we look at each other and say, that was it. You're right. That was it. That's what we've been watching. That's what. And now at that point, if you do hear that noise of thunder, let me read it again. I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. And as I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. If you hear that, if we could just recognize, oh, that was it. That was the first seal opened. If we know that, then we know absolutely positively exactly 2,520 days later is the return of Jesus on trumpets. However, four months before that is the bridegroom cometh, the, the midnight cry, meaning the, the whole point of Jesus returning to the Mount of Olives is to say, yes, this is the midnight cry. Yes, absolutely positively, this is the year I will return. And this is him going down to give trouble to the beast and the false prophet. Here he's got 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys walking all over Mount Zion, and they're all in white garments, and they have seals on their foreheads. And at this point, the locusts are burning, are, are stinging everybody they possibly can for five months, but they do not touch these 144,000. And of course, you can imagine they don't touch Jesus either. So that's a pretty good slap in the face of the beast and the false prophet, letting them know that, yep, Jesus is coming. I am Lord of the earth. This is not just a joke. Now, let me give you some signs to further watch for, to let you, let us know that we are, in fact, in the tribulation. Revelation 13, 3 says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. Now, if you don't understand that, then you're going to misunderstand what is going on here. Revelation 13, 1 says, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns on his horns, ten crowns, and upon his their heads the name of blasphemy. It means that they're going to divide the seven continents into 10 global regions. 
each global region has a ruler over that region. So when he says, I saw one of his heads, it's not saying the Antichrist is going to be wounded in his head. By the way, there's another thing I need to correct, too. I know that there's some people out there that are being taught that we are in the sixth seal. Well, we aren't in the sixth seal because we're in the sixth seal. We had already heard the thunder. We'd already seen the mark of the beast. We'd already seen the beast. And, you know, we'd said the two witnesses would have been out for a long time because the sixth seal is like the day before Jesus returns on trumpets. So no, 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 no. That's rubbish. We are not in the sixth seal. We are not even in the first seal. Matter of fact, my opinion, I think that America will fall and then World War III is going to be a pretty bloody battle, the most bloody of all three of the three world wars. And then after that is probably when the tribulation will start, after the fall of America. So no, we're, we, America hadn't even fallen yet. We're certainly not in the tribulation. We haven't heard the thunder yet. No, but here's what we do watch for. When there is a world government where the seven continents have been divided into ten global regions, and one of those global regional rulers, in other words, a one of the ten regional rulers is wounded to death. It doesn't say he's going to be wounded in the head. Do not look for somebody to be shot in the head. Do not look for some head of state or some... And by the way, it's not the president of the United States. And the beast, by the way, is not Putin either. Uh, matter of fact, somebody said, do you believe that the, fall, the Antichrist is alive on the earth today? No. Let me say it again. Do you believe the Antichrist is alive on the earth today? No. Well, how do you know? I mean, if you say we're that close to the tribulation, then would he already be alive? No. Why? Because the beast ascendeth out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. The beast is not on the earth today. One day he will not be there, and then the very next day he is there. The Antichrist is not on the earth today. What it's saying is one of these regional rulers will be wounded, not necessarily in the head, but he'd be wounded to death. Now, does that say he's going to die or wounded as if he were dead? My guess is, is actually saying, yeah, he's actually killed. Why? Because he's going to say he is the Christ, you see. And of course, since Jesus died and his whole target is to try to deceive the Christians, the rest of them are already in his camp, you see. So he's he's trying to come after the Christians. So he appears to, well, I, I believe he will die, but he'll then come back from the dead. His deadly wound was he it was healed. In other words, at this point, he says, I'm the Messiah. This is the thing where all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power into the beast or the false prophet, or in the Antichrist, actually the Antichrist, not the false prophet, the Antichrist, saying, who's like the beast? Who can make war with this guy? He came back from the dead. So that's going to convince a lot of Christians, yep, this guy here, he's really the Messiah. That Jesus guy, see, they're, good. they're not going to say it. Okay, now, here's some other things to watch for real quick. Watch for the beast to arrive, a world government, the introduction of the mark of the beast, the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist goes in and sits on the Ark of the Covenant, the golden chair of God. Also watch for the two witnesses with the morning star walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Watch for an object about the third the size of a sun hit it and meteors hit the ocean and other streams and rivers. So there's a lot of things coming. We are not in the tribulation yet. We're not in the first seal. We're not. <laughs> we're not. But I do believe that we're very close to the fall of America. I don't know when, but I do believe we're very close to it.
Brothers and sisters, I'm ready to send off my book, Miss the Mark, to the printers. And I just got the price, and it is about $7,000 to print it. So if God has blessed you, if you can help us, that would be a wonderful thing for you to do so we can get this book to you. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end-time events can be placed in chronological order. For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ on the great white throne, and the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I am going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 The secret door to understand Bible prophecy at prophecyclub.com. I've got good news. We are going to offer the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade next year, April 8th through the 12th in 2020. Find out more about it by going to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. 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 Download our free app from the App Store. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings without interruption. Watch prophecyclub.com. 